Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 653! Science Faction, don't take that Tylenol so fast! So, I, I'm sorry, I was crushing up a line of Tylenol on my small uh, desk here. Uh, you're saying I shouldn't yeah. do lines of this, or is it only like, don't go over my prescribed amount? Yeah, so however many lines of Tylenol a doctor prescribes you, that should be the most amount of lines of Tylenol you do. You should never do more lines of Tylenol than is prescribed. <laughs> my doctor says I'm on a three-line-per-day habit. I can't go over. <laughs> Oh, dear, and speaking of going over, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is our just-recovering-from-COVID comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, tr- truth be told, uh, I've, I've just had, like, a, an insane cough, like the type of cough where, like, um, you can't even go out in public because people are like, that, that person is dying. Please, I need a medic. Yeah. I need a medic. Not just that, but so like for those of you guys who don't know, we we recorded last week's episode. The reason this episode is so late, we recorded last week's episode. We started recording the Patreon episode. Damien had some technical difficulties. His headphones failed. And then we went to go record the next day to re-record the Patreon episode. And he had gotten COVID. And he has had a hell of a time. Uh, I have called you. I've talked to you, I don't know, a bunch mm-hmm. of times in the last week. This is the first time you haven't sounded like somebody took a, a rat tail file from the wood shop <laughs> and reamed out the inside of your fucking throat. Well, uh, I, I, we needed a bigger screw. We needed a bigger borehole in there, so uh, in my throat. <laughs> so I don't I don't know the other, the other what, what other solution we had. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, COVID sucks. It's just part of life now, and this is my second time in the COVID club. This is my second notch on my wow. COVID belt. Uh, it was not as bad as the first time. Good. But, uh, I mean, still very unpleasant. And, I, and, like, here's the thing. I just got a job, as some of our fans know, working with kids, so I think I was just coming off yeah. the flu, and then, bam, COVID, right? Yeah. Like, one, two. I was telling you this before when my son started going to school. You realize that for the first six weeks, you're just sick nonstop. Like, I, w- my wife and I at one point considered homeschooling because we're just so tired of being sick. And now you get the teacher version of that. But the good side is you go through a little bit of that, and then you can just, like, play around in sewage, and you're fine. Like, your immune system is supercharged. It's like, uh, it's, it's like uh, we're like the Europeans. In the, like, right now, I was one of the natives of the yeah. New World. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and all right. the kids in the world in this were the dirty fucking Europeans coming to colonize my <laughs> immune system with their shit. So that's why uh, this episode is late. It's why we missed a Patreon episode. Uh, we're going to try and make back up with all that stuff uh, once we're, we're at 100% health. But we did want to get an episode out, even if it was late. Even though, you know, this episode, technically speaking, the science from this episode is a little bit more out of date than we normally do because it was written on Sunday and we're doing it on, on Friday instead of Monday. But we still wanted to get this out to you. I still think science is incredibly important. I like to bring cutting edge stuff, but if it's a week old, that's still probably more recent than you're getting in most spots so we'll go with it so we apologize for the late episode circumstances beyond our control hope you understand but we wanted to get it to you even if it was late uh yeah this is the cold pizza of uh of science news articles yes that's true in that your roommate is going to eat it without any guilt even though they didn't put a dime towards it (laughs) you sack of shit
It's cold, man. It doesn't count. It's not the same as coming and eating a hot piece. And yes, it is. It's yeah. almost worse. That's all that's left. It's amazing how the guy who upper decks my toilet every day as a, as a quote, funny prank wants to complain about meeting three slices of his cold pizza. But I feel like we should save this for the roommate meeting, Bobby. <laughs> and if you guys want to save something for the roommate meeting, go ahead and check out Robert Timothy on Patreon to get a whole episode, whole other episode of Science Faction every single week. But for now, let's move right on. To science articles. It's the only way I can go is in the top tank, man. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Yeah, by the way, you know you got to replace the tank when you get top tanked because it's no longer sterile. So what you're saying is every day there is a plumber, plumbing company with a truck waiting outside your house. Your roommate gets done, gives them the wave, and they just go, oh, it's another another day. And then they pull a brand new toilet out, haul it upstairs, and start installing. No, I actually have one of those uh, Flintstones giant bird toilets. So oh. it's, it's much more complicated. It involves it, it involves uh, the San Diego Zoo trucking in an endangered species. Also, how do you upper deck a bird? Are you like peeling open its eyelids and shitting in them? Like, how does that work? <laughs> it's, yeah, the, the bird needs to be replaced. Let me put it that way. That bird has a ton of pink eye. All right. So article number one, don't take that Tylenol so fast. Yeah, it's a living. So we talked a bunch about Tylenol before, about how it's one of those drugs that probably wouldn't be approved of today, how even a small amount over the recommended dosage can cause long-term or even permanent liver damage. Sometimes for some people, even the recommended dosage of Tylenol, OTC, over-the-counter Tylenol you buy at the store, the regular recommended dosage could cause permanent liver damage. If you take just a little bit too much, it'll fucking kill you. It, it is a crazy dangerous drug that has a lot of uses, but that we oftentimes do not realize how fucking precarious of a knife blade we are on when we use it. I, I remember Tylenol commercials as a kid. I don't think there are pain relieving commercials anymore. But I think there are. No, there are. Really? Are, is there? I, 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 okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go searching for a Tylenol commercial. But I mean, I used to see him as a kid and, you know, like the, the thought that like Tylenol and like Budweiser should be in the same category of fucking, of drug classification. Yeah, I remember the Tylenol frogs. <laughs> Do you remember when the one guy would have a, a little thing of Tylenol and he'd call up his friend and he'd go, buddy, <laughs> got a headache, <laughs> got some joint pain. Uh, I love jokes that only apply to older generations. of listeners. Yeah, I, and that's a little before my time. I remember uh, that's a little after my time. Uh, uh, I was always a Tylenol Clydesdale guy. I, yeah. I was a Tylenol Spuds McKenzie guy myself. That's right. That's what it was. It was you have Tylenol and you climb, you call up and go, what's up? Yeah, Spuds McKenzie was a partying dog that loved taking Tylenol because, you know, he had a lot of joint pain. <laughs> Hip dysplasia. So this is actually a really interesting article on a much broader topic that's that's very interesting. It's interesting why it's hard to study, and, and I want to get into it. But it suggests that fever suppression in general, not just Tylenol, by the way, fever suppression, anything you're using to suppress a fever, might actually be harmful. Now, there's a bunch of caveats here. This is an animal model. It's not definitive. There's still... They, it may, there may still be times where it's better to have the medicine. These are in moderate fevers, not extended fevers, where you absolutely need the medicine, fever suppression medicine. It's a not only an 
animal study, but a fish study, which is about as far away as you can get from humans and vertebrates, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it is pretty interesting. So let's look at what these researchers did. They infected a bunch of lab fish with a bacterial infection and let some exhibit a natural fever and some they did not let get they did not let get to a natural fever and then they looked at how they fared what were their results of that same infection and here are the outcomes Quote, the researchers showed that the natural fever offers an integrative response that not only activates defenses against infection, but also helps control it. The researchers found that fever helped to clear the fish of infection in about seven days, half the time it took for those animals not allowed to exert a fever. Fever also helped to shut down inflammation and repair injured tissue, end quote. So in this animal model, this fish model, those that were allowed to have a fever, spike a fever, healed much better, had less inflammation, got over their infection better than those whom fever was suppressed in. Now, you might ask, why are you doing it in fish? And I didn't even realize fish could get a fever, being that they are cold-blooded, but those actually go hand in hand. There's a reason they use fish, because this is actually difficult to prove in warm-blooded animal models. Damien, can you guess why this would be such a hard thing to prove, that fever helps you get over diseases, why it would be hard in warm-blooded animals? Because we give birth to live young, and because mm -hmm. we get to experience the miracle of childbirth. I don't know, Bob, mm -hmm. God, fuck <laughs> First of all, there are some monotremes that are pissed as shit at you right now trying to declare all mammals be given birth to live young. They're not one of us. There, I said it. There, you heard me? Down at the platypus and echidna podcast down south? You're not one of us. Oh, man, if you start busting out the platypus racial slurs, I am ending this podcast early. Man, your mama dated flat-billed mammals. There we go. Careful, they all carry a poisonous stinger. That's a stereotype. No, the males do, at least. That's It's just the male. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That is a stereotype. <laughs> it's venomous. <laughs> They're packing heat. No, the reason is interesting, which is when mammals have a fever, our internal endothermic system just ramps up and gets hotter, and so you get a fever, right? So the only way to control that in animal models than using mammals is to give them a fever suppressant. You give them like a Tylenol or something. The problem with that is there's other effects of things like Tylenol. So you're not just measuring fever versus no fever, you're measuring fever versus Tylenol and that compounds the issues and you're not actually, it's, it's almost impossible to study. Now I didn't realize reptiles and fish and stuff, cold-blooded animals, they have fevers too but they have to do it themselves, right? So if a snake is getting sick, the way it gets a fever is it sits in the sun longer because it doesn't have an endothermic reaction. Now its body allows it to heat up more than it normally would allow it to heat up. And that's how they do a fever, which is the fucking most hilariously ghetto way to have a fever. Like figure your shit out, snakes. Come on. So if it's ever like a, like a rainy day, like in the uh, on the in the equatorial south, you're just you're, you don't yeah. get, you don't you don't get to have a fever today. You just got a stew in your sorry. juices. Yeah, sorry, buddy, you're dying of that infection. Uh, so the way they did it is they built this like special tank where they infected all the fish, but they only let some <laughs> of them get to hotter water, which is how the fish regulate their <laughs> fever temperature. Finally, you can up upper deck this tank, Bobby. <laughs> this is the tank you can upper deck. Please, it's actually built into the control. 
it's just it's just the cold water section. So it's like these fish that can't have fever, they get dumped onto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they just keep certain fish from being able to go to the warmer side of the tank, and that prevents them from having a fever, which is genius because in this case, you really are comparing fever versus non-fever instead of fever versus medicine that suppresses fever. Anyway, super interesting, very very neat control as far as I'm considered for concerned. And one of the the complications that make this a hard thing to study otherwise. That's why we don't have good human models and good animal models of this otherwise. Really really interesting. But regardless, they did it and they figured out that the ones that were allowed to exhibit a fever, they healed twice as fast. They didn't have nearly as much inflammation. And there's an idea that fever is doing a lot for you. One, obviously, it's heating up your body. And that that obviously, that can kill a lot of things. If there are things that are temperature sensitive, going up past that heat limit can obviously kill it or at least make it more difficult for those things to, to reproduce. It will soak your sheets in what you hope is sweat. <laughs> That's what a fever does, mostly. I hope that's sweat. It did other things. It inhibited inflammation and improved wound repair. So what we're seeing is there's a whole suite of things that come with fever. And, and the implication is, and obviously we need to test this more. This shouldn't be something you change your medical practices for. But the implication is it might indicate that suppressing a fever, which is often our reaction to use drugs to suppress a fever, might actually make whatever it is that's hurting us last longer. It might be beneficial for us to not use fever suppressant during certain infections at certain times where the fever's not out of control, all those caveats, yada, yada, yada. It might be better not to because that fever not only can kill that stuff, Alf, it helps us heal better in the end. So like when we were, I was sick recently and like I, I was I was only at like a, like a 99 point whatever, you know? Yeah. And my wife was trying to offer me uh, like ibuprofen to, to get it down. Yep. And I did everything but smack her hand to get her from force yes. feeding me the pills like a like a fucking Saint mm-hmm. Bernard or something. So mm-hmm. uh, what I what I should I should have been more forceful in protecting my mouth pill virginity, uh-huh. or the uh, purity of my mouth in that uh, my body knows nature is healing. It knows what it's doing. It is putting me through this fever, and by mm-hmm. you trying to break this fever, you are actually keeping me in this COVID. You're you're Kathy Bates in misery, trying to keep yes. me in this in this COVID hell longer. And most people would be like, what do you mean? Like a, she was trying to give you them like a St. Bernard and they don't realize that your wife wears a bottle of Motrin around her neck in a little barrel that she then tries to disperse. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she wrapped it in cheese. <laughs> but either way, I had a good time. So. And, I, and I no longer have fleas, so. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I keep spitting that out. I suck all the cheese off that bill. (laughs) I put it back in the bowl. By the way, there's a lot more questions here on just whether or not it helps us beat an infection or helps us heal or helps us reduce inflammation. We also have to look at, you know, things like does viral load get impacted by our temperature or fevers? Uh, Are there long-term implications for fevers like damage to the brain? Because we know we can heat up our brain too much. Damage to the brain or other organs where, you know, healing a little faster from an infection is much less important than it is to not damage our brain and organs. So is that an issue or, or a worry we have to do? How does the fever affect the course of an autoimmune disease formation? For instance, if you allow yourself to get to a fever, does that make it more likely that you're going to exhibit autoimmune issues later on or less likely or long-term versions of infections like long COVID. Are you more likely to get long COVID if your body goes into a fever or less likely? And then if it turns out that fevers really are 
much better for us to go through, can we actually artificially induce them in the early stages of an infection before our body would naturally do it? Is there a chemical we could use that artificially induces them that would help the body rid itself of the infection earlier and start healing earlier? Could you imagine, like, that'd be such a great, like, like, in high school, we pulled a lot of pranks. Imagine if I could just, like, make your body, like, instead of, like, kicking you in the nuts or something. Yeah. I could just ch- inject you with this solution that just sent your uh-huh. body into, like, a sick state. <laughs> but, like, but I'm not endangering yeah, you. I could just, but all of a sudden, yeah. bam, here's 102 fever, bitch. Hope you didn't have plans for the next two nights. Bam. You just got pranked, bitch. By the way, if this is true and they and they do find a drug later on that will induce a fever to like to to make you healthier, you better believe whoever is sitting on the rights to that song "You Give Me Fever" is just fucking waiting for the <laughs> for the Pfizer commercials. He's like, "Yeah, bring me the money, bring it." <laughs> I, if I, I if I have any 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 song, it's, it's going to be a war for any 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 uh, uh, intellectual property with fever, temperature. Got my temperature uh-huh. rising, you know. Like, right. like it's just going to be a bloodbath, a thunderdome to see who gets the rights to that that uh, commercial. Yeah, not not there would not have been a, a better song for a product since the poorly planned Ookie Cookie Company hired Fred Durst. (laughs) We have a feeling that this new brand of cookie, well, we could have, we had a choice, Fred Durst or Cookie Monster. And well, (laughs) our new extreme ad person went one way and our family values uh, councils uh, went another direction. Guess which one won? Guess which one the board sided with? It's just one of those things. We went Cookie Monster at first, but the sexual harassment scandals, we had to go to the second in the line. <laughs> Our lawyers advised us to go with Mr. Durst as he was a less of a liability. A lot of shit's happened in that trash can, man. I like, gotta remember that show's been on for 50 years. Like, there were different rules back then. Unless Cookie Monster is in, their, is in the trash can blowing Oscar the Grouch for a cookie fix. He has no business being in that trash can. You got it confused for another character, sir. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he might be doing that too. <laughs> so your dick for a cookie? Cookie Monster says 15's an adult. <laughs> Listen, Cookie Monster, if you wanna get if you wanna get this bag of chips ahoy, you better pretend my ass is a bag of Oreos. Alright, you know what I'm talking about? Now go to town. Oh man, I, I want to see the documentary that comes out about uh like the the perverted rat pack and it's like cookie monster weinstein and jared from subway just rocking the 90s <laughs> they were like the uh the chris angel pickup art toby mcguire pickup artist crew <laughs> but far darker far darker uh, on to article number two how to make the world skinny and unfunny <laughs> they're going off the Ethiopia model I'm going to be honest with you the comedy clubs in Ethiopia not great Mencia's headlining it's yeah it's it's all local stuff it's hard to really get into baboon humor if you don't have a lot of those personal experiences baboon dick jokes like there's some boomer baboon comic being married sucks am I right guys my wife ugh Savannah baboons hunt like this. Mountain baboons hunt like this. <laughs> and then he humped the stump. 
<laughs> so researchers from the University of Texas at San Antonio have developed a small molecule drug that prevents weight gain and adverse liver changes in mouse models. Even mouse models fed high sugar, high fat Western diets throughout their life. Really, really interesting. So this drug is actually based on the function of magnesium in the metabolic process. Magnesium is an important substance in our bodies. Our bones are made of part of it. Like we, we need magnesium from everything from bones to metabolism. However, too much magnesium within the mitochondria can slow the mitochondria down. We know that's the powerhouse of the cell. That's what's making your energy. That's what's doing the ATP. And so therefore that metabolic process gets slowed down when too much magnesium is uptaken into the mitochondria. Now, researchers had done previous research that found that deleting a specific gene, MRS2, helped keep magnesium levels lower in mitochondria in mouse models. And basically, they made mice that could not get fat by doing a gene knockout of this MRS2. And no matter what you fed them, these mice could not get fat, did not get fatty liver disease, et cetera, et cetera. So this paper kind of takes the next step forward and investigates a small molecule drug, CPACC, which has a similar result to that genetic knockout without actually needing a genetic knockout, which is obviously something that uh, would benefit it if we wanted it to go to human trials. And the results were impressive. It essentially eliminated obesity, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver disease, et cetera, et cetera, in these mouse models who were fed high-fat, high-sugar diets. So it's not like these mice were were like the Jack LaLanne of mice. Like these mice were, were the fucking Louis Anderson of mice, but it was they look like the Jack LaLanne of mice. Two timely Man. references. Yeah. Two timely, timely references. <laughs> so we've talked before about weight loss drugs. There's things like Ozentic that's going through right now, which is the next diabetes drug. This works very, very differently than that. And uh, what it's essentially doing is keeping magnesium from being uptaken in the cells. And it's amazing how drastic these results are. Obviously, again, like we say all the time, we'll need to see human models. We need to see more testing. We need to see if it has negative side effects. Maybe you take too much of this shit and it kills you. You're not getting enough magnesium and you die. Who knows what the end result will be? But right now it looks incredibly promising because what we're seeing too is people have different levels of magnesium uptake in the mitochondria. There are probably people with natural genetic variants of this. And those are those people you know who can eat whatever they want and they never gain a pound, right? And then if you have high magnesium uptake, it's the opposite. Opposite. And so maybe to some extent, this would just kind of level that playing field and we would all get the benefits of being able to eat what we want without getting morbidly obese. Sure, you're not working. Any other timely references? Anything about Charlie Chaplin? I think that's Sacco and Vanzetti. Do they still rile your blood, Bobby? Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Do you have anything you want to say about those two? Those two. I don't. I don't want to say that the word Italian, schmitalian, immigrants. Uh -huh. Is the the Kaiser? Does the does the war with the Kaiser? Uh, is that still? I know that was a really big thing for you for a while. Oh, uh, Damien. Uh, first of all, <laughs> this is the reason you're never going to be described as the bee's knees. You don't have <laughs> you don't have the type of connection with the kids that I do that allows me to to wrap science with them. You're, you're the Mr. Burns of science podcasting. Uh, like zooming out more broadly, I was thinking about this, which is whether we're talking about the Ozentic or we're talking about, you know, something like this small molecule drug. I, I think we really are living in a blip of time of fat people, right? I, I mean that because I think going back 150 years, unless you're in some kind of really wealthy caste, you don't have the ability to get fat, really. Like it's, it's pretty fucking rare. And then like 
go up a little forward and I don't think people will be fat because they'll have the ability to take a pill or take something else and not do that. And so like, I do think we live in this weird time where like people will be able to see an image of somebody and be like, oh, that's bizarre. Humans can look like that. I had no idea because I've never seen that before. Yeah, like uh, I saw a picture. It was, it was like a traveling guy, like a fat guy at a freak show, like a like yeah, hundred years. And he was ago. like two hundred and thirty five pounds. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is incredibly fat guy. And I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy wouldn't be the fattest guy in row G at any NFL game. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, this guy, this guy's like, this guy's just middle management fat. Like that's that's. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny that before they you could take a guy who was just middle of the road weight in your average accounting department of a Fortune 500 company. You could take that guy and people would pay hard earned money. By the way, this was a long before you earned money at home. You had to earn money by like beating up orphans and stealing <laughs> their That's the only way to earn money in the 1800s. And like these people took their hard earned orphan murder money just to pay <laughs> To see somebody that fat, it was so amazing. Could you imagine if, uh, you know, those like two fat biker twins, like the fattest yeah. twins who, who like for yeah. some reason, by the way, I like how they are like, they could just have been two fat twins. Nobody would have cared, but they found those yeah. mini bikes and made their way into history. At the end of yes. time, when aliens are looking over the images of our species, those twins on mini bikes will be one of them. Mark my words. Fat twins on mini bikes for Guinness Book of World Records. I did see a morbidly obese man riding what was like not a mini bike but it was like a 150 uh on the streets of oceanside and uh he was by himself and i had to it's a good thing i'm not a teenage boy anymore because i had to restrain every part of me and be like no i'll be a good person don't do this not to pull up next to him and go where's your brother <laughs> he heart disease he pulls over and cries <laughs> thinking of his brother the star that burns twice as bright burns half as long. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I never thought about this before, but uh, but those two guys really single-handedly ruined mini bikes for fat guys, right? Because like now <laughs> any single fat guy riding that, you're going to be like, what's going on? Something's wrong about this. Like, I need to go talk to this guy about this image. Like, if I was a fat guy who had a mini bike from that point on, I would feel uncomfortable unless I rigged up a system whereby I was carrying a life-size seven foot tall mirror next to me so it looked like there was a second fat guy on a mini bike see these guys ruined it for everybody like like they were the first guy to basically take that you know those eight ounce bottle cans of coke and do a picture of yeah. their dick next to it by like comparison yeah. they were the first guys to do that and now everybody's on to the, to the game hey you're not really a nine thousand pound giant riding riding a harley i know that you know how we're talking about how, like, in the 1800s, just, like, a, a guy who was, like, six foot one and 235 was considered, like, a weird fat guy attraction? I wonder if that, that's going to be a similar thing. Like, we're going to have a Mandela effect where we look back and, and those guys were, like, I don't know, like a size 38 waist. Like, you know, they were not actually that big. <laughs> wow, I wear, a size, I wear a size 40 waist and I'm six one and 250. Oh, my God, I'm the fattest guy in, in, in 1910. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not even 1910. It's 1981, dude. Like, that his record. I also... <laughs> I also can't grow a beard. The lady at the fucking thing there could grow a beard better than me. Oh, dear. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see what our world looks like, you know, if we are in that narrow span of time of fat people. I wonder what the world looks like when that span of time is over. You know, like, I made a joke, 
you know, the end of funny people, because I do think that we would lose a lot of humor if we lost fat people as a whole. But like, also, if there was no chance to get fat, like if you could eat whatever you want and not get fat, I wonder like how other things would work. Things like the gym, like would gyms exist? Obviously you're not gonna get toned or anything just by not getting fat, but like, would that many people be going to the gym if you couldn't get fat? I have a feeling they wouldn't. I think gym, gyms would plummet. It's just the dudes who wanna be ripped or something that would be there. Yeah, no, and I agree. Uh, a gym membership would certainly plummet. The whole fat industry that we have would. Yeah, diet stuff would be out the door. But but, but I mean, like if 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 we this drug is created and nothing else changes, would that would it matter yeah. at all? Like I mean, like like uh, we 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 have people who don't even have food. Like a, a substantial people, like, sure. like hunger is a problem in the country. Like I would love it if we had that along with some sort of universal system that like guaranteed your your fat pills just as a necessity to to saving money, healthcare wise, long term, yeah. a preventative care. Um, and that would be brilliant. That would be awesome in a world where yeah. like. Um, uh, you could dispense Mountain Dew at schools again and not worried about yes. <laughs> childhood obesity. Like Alabama still does. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a Mountain Dew fountain machine, a tr- Baja Blast fountain machine in the principal's office for kids who get sent there. Yeah, they, they, if you want to talk about a, a place where you can still buy Mountain Dew on school campuses and also nobody has given a fuck about childhood obesity ever... Alabama's a place to go. It's like uh, you know, like like how uh, when, you know when we went to New Orleans, we were shocked that they were like drive. You could get like a drive-through liquor, like a strong, yeah. blended uh, Slurpee yeah. alcohol drink at a drive-through. Yes. But it's closed; it's sealed because there's a there's a there's a piece of paper on the straw, and so it's a sealed yeah. beverage that they're giving you. Like I am less offended at that than the drive-through Mountain Dew that they have at schools. Yeah, I, I wonder how life would change. Like obviously. Clothes would be more uniform. If you think about it, we have a wide range of bodies. That range would go way down if there were no such thing as fat people. Uh, Things like, you know, diet stuff, gym stuff. And then if it really had all the implications, if you didn't get heart disease and stuff, if you, you know, were able to to keep this out, so would our lifespans would increase. And, and, you know, like all that. It would be interesting to see what taking obesity out of the equation, what the ripple effects were further down in our society because obesity is such a problem and such a part of our society and so much effort is put into combat and to, to treat it and to deal with the implications of it and to it's deal with the health effects porn. of it. It's all skinny ballerina <laughs> oh, porn is a pro- from here on out. That is something Thick, to consider. Right? That's gone. That's a term of the past. As a gentleman who enjoys luxuriously sized ladies in their, their pornography, I will say that would be one of those things that uh, I've discussed this before it would be like in medieval times when you looked back at the Roman Empire as the ability to do technologically something you could never do. Oh, look at these amazing advanced ancients. We'll never be able to replicate their technology. That's how the future would be in terms of BBW porn. Because it would be like, oh, yeah, look at look at the amazing things they were able to do in the 90s and 2000s before we got rid of fat people. Yeah, like, like, uh, let me tell you what twerking was, guys. Kids, sit down. I'm going to tell yeah. you what twerking was because it's it, it doesn't exist. It hasn't existed in 20 years. But man, was it great. Here, let's throw some dollar bills up in the air. Let's really get the effect going. Like, we would have our own versions of Venus of Volendorf because then there wouldn't be any more BBW. So it's like, I, I got desperate and drew a face on a waterbed. <laughs> <laughs> Just- 
Yeah, do you uh you really can't can't fuck the waterbed. It's a design flaw. <laughs> oh Johnny, <laughs> that's what you think. Uh dear, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 653, where you learned all about why suppressing a fever might actually hurt you. And how our future might be skinny and easy. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 654. Step waterbed? You got stuck taking laundry out of the dryer again? Well, I'll help you this time. Wink. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs>